Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the FBC Huntsville Young Adults Podcast. I'm your host, John Lemons. Joined like I have been every week or every month, Ellen Christian, Tiffany Fanning, and again, Ethan McVeigh. He's back for his second turn with us. It's so good to have you guys back. And we are in the midst of our third season on the Young Adult Podcast. We are doing a podcast series that we're calling black, white, and red all over. Today we're on episode five. We're going to talk about the book of books of Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First Chronicles, some of the Psalms, things that we covered in the month of April in our Bible reading plan. But before we get there, wanted to ask you guys, how was your April? So Ellen, tell us how to go. Uh, what was April? That's my question. No, it was good. Uh, I had a lot of exciting things happen. Um, one, I'm going to talk about uh, a little bit later with the uh, Seder meal. That was a big part of my April, uh, a big highlight of my April, I should say. Yeah, it was good. And, and you guys are, are in the middle of ball right now. You've got yeah. kids playing ball. Yeah, we've got kids that, everywhere. Those days are, yeah, they kind of dominate your schedule. Not so glad to have you with us. So what about you, Tiffany? How was your April? I'm um, kind of the same as Ellen. Like what month was April? What happened? My allergies are kicking back up in full force. So I'm like self-medicating with Benadryl. So I don't remember a whole lot. We had a uh, six new hires start at work in the month of April across a couple of weeks. And I'm in charge of training three of them. So I've been going to the office two or three days a week. So that's been weird. Um, I had to buy new clothes because I've been just in yoga pants and t-shirts for the past two years. And so, yeah, it's been, I mean, it's been good. It's been busy. It's been real. Nice. And you are on the, under the influence of narcotics right now. <laughs> They're not uh, narcotics, but... but I am on two Benadryl. <laughs> I took one this morning at like six and at lunch I started sneezing again. And so I took a second one. So if I'm more ditzy than usual, that's why <laughs> I'm, if I space out. It's because I'm what? on high on Benadryl. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. So we appreciate you doing what you have to do to be on the, the episode with us today. And Ethan, we had a very similar April, but uh, how'd it turn out for you, man? Yeah, it was good, um, but it was really busy. I feel like the first week of April was like three months ago. Um, <laughs> yeah. just because those, the past three weeks really have just been really full schedule. We had Easter and, um, went to a conference last week, uh, which were all exciting things, but it was just like, go, go, go for a while there. Um, so it's crazy that it's May already, but happy, happy May 4th. May the 4th be with you. Mm. Oh, yeah, you seriously. Think of that. Yeah, so that that was going to lead into uh, my next question, Ellen. What's your favorite Star Wars movie? Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> uh, Ellen never watches movies. <laughs> Tiffany, you got one. Um, I don't, I don't really have a favorite. Um, yeah, but I've seen them all except for the newest installation when they have like. You, you're not missing Is that anything. Her name? I don't know. Yeah, so. Ray. Ray, thank you. Ren, mm -hmm. is that the friend, the black guy who flies? No, that's Finn. Finn. See, I don't even know. So I called myself out on Facebook earlier and said that I'm like an appreciator because calling myself a fan feels false. Mm -hmm. Like Nice. Yeah. That's good. I like it. It is touching and fitting that we will talk about the Witch of Endor today. Uh, because one of the settings in, in Return of the Jedi is a place called Endor. I have no idea if those are 
related or not, but um, it is an interesting thing. Now, we are normally re- re- recording at the end of the month going into whatever month we're talking about. So, like, this is our May episode. We normally re- record that at the end of the previous month, but now we're on May 4th and we're recording it because it was a crazy month. And we had Ethan and I were gone last week on some staff related things. I had, I preached at the end of April the same week that I had my paper due that I was working on for the whole semester. And, um, yeah, so that was, it was just a crazy month. And I, Ethan, this will be the third time he's heard this story, but I found it kind of funny that, uh, I, I turned my paper in, been working on it for three months and my, we have, you know, faculty advisors. So she wrote me back and basically what she said was, um, your writing is great. Like I really enjoy reading the way you write. And then she said, your argument doesn't really make a lot of sense, but your writing's really good. And if you ever write a book, I would read it just for the prose. 86. And I was like, ah, that was, I, I felt like it was more than 86 type of paper, but, and it was, I was like, how do I take this? Like my, my writing is really good. She likes it, but uh, what I have to say is not. So anyways, that was my April. So uh, as we're getting into May now, June's around the corner. So uh, take a quick moment. Tell us, what is your Alabama summer must do for uh, for whatever it is? So we'll, we'll start with Ethan and we'll work our way back around. What's like the, for our listeners at home in Huntsville, in North Alabama, maybe, maybe you have some in Birmingham, whatever. What's your Alabama must do summer item? Mm. You know, when I was living in Tuscaloosa, um, for college, there was a place called Summer Snow, and it was just a a great little snow cone hut on the side of the road. It wasn't fancy, but it was really good. So I suggest um, some summer snow if you're in Tuscaloosa, or maybe just a snow cone or some ice cream or something. It just tastes better in the summer, and it's a fun thing to do with friends. So I'm nice. going to shout out our neighbors. They own Tropical Snow. So go see them. They're in, I don't know if they're set up in the same place at University Drive Target, but that's where they set up and they're really good and they're really nice people. So. What about you, Tiffany? Alabama summer must do. We like to go camping during the summers. Um, so we have like two or three camping trips planned. And then I also try to make Jacob do the food truck rally at least once, even though he doesn't like the large amount of people that are there. Um, I think it's interesting. We, we enjoy the people watching. So that's like a good activity to get out, spend some money with your local vendors, have like a hundred dollar night out eating at two or three food trucks. That's that's definitely a Huntsville must do. It's a really good event. Where do you like to camp? Oh, we use Montesano a lot just because it's close and they have a really great playground. Um, so I would say it's like our default, but we're going to try out cathedral caverns. Um, this, late july so they just opened up their new one i'm taking ellen with me it's gonna be real fun nice hey okay we need to tell you how we're camping because when you say camping people think tents i'm not sleeping in a tent ever ever um so apparently you can rent an rv and just have it all set like you you pay them to have it all set up and ready to go and i just show up on friday and then leave. And the RV's there. Yeah, and then leave on Sunday. I don't got to do anything. 
So we have our own camper. I grew up tent camping, sleeping on the ground, and Jacob is not for it. He <laughs> fooled me when we were dating because he went tent camping once. He's like, oh, I got all this gear. Yeah, I'll go camping. And that was in college. Then we got married. He's like, yeah, I don't do camping. I just did that to like have you date me and impress you. And I was like, well, camping's a real big thing with my family. I grew up camping. Like my parents for their honeymoon went camping. No. Like that's just what we do. And I said, we're going to have to compromise. We can buy the best in class tent and cots or air mattress. You don't have to sleep in the, like on the floor or we can buy a camper, but like camping is crucial to my family memories. So we bought a camper in 2020. That's interesting. I, I grew up RVing. My parents RVed all over the country. They were part of two national RV clubs. And that's like my earliest memories of childhood and of travel and things like that. And then I got into high school and I was like, I'm done with this. Uh, and it's never been something I've wanted to do. I'm more attracted to like tent camping kind of stuff than RVing. Although the RV option that you talked about, Ellen, that does sound pretty cool. Cause it was the whole, like my dad, my parents owned it and, uh, they would take care of it every, you know, all the time. He always had to fix something on it. And I, I want no part of that. But um, that other option sounds pretty cool. Although I'm 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 more intrigued by tent tent camping than RV camping would would suggest. But uh, all right, Ellen, thirty seconds. What's your Alabama summer must do item? I don't know. I I feel like I'm always like escaping the Alabama summer heat by going to the beach. So that would be my if if you don't beach at you know Destin or Panama City or someplace down there, then I, I got nothing for you. That's not yeah, that... I know, but I'm just saying, like, you got to escape it. I know it's like what you must do, but hey, well, I will say food trucks. Those are the best. They're expensive, but they're the best. It's fun. Yeah, no, that is fun. And I would say, yes, Alabama beaches or Gulf Coast beaches are, mm-hmm. are great. And it's a great trip down there. Um, I've been to Atlantic beaches and Gulf, Shore, Gulf Coast beaches, and I've never seen the kind of wildlife that you see down on the Gulf Coast. It's just Agreed. amazing. It's it's in the waters a lot bluer looks like water it doesn't mm-hmm. look like you know trash um so yeah that's a good one and then around huntsville if you have not hiked around north alabama uh, or just done some of the outdoorsy stuff there's so much to do and it's really great and it's always something i really look forward to in summer but with all that said we're going to jump into the rest of our episode we're going to talk about judges ruth first and second samuel and first chronicles here in just a moment All right, so what we're going to jump into this month, before we get into the books of the Bible, we want to talk about sort of the topic of the month that, uh, you know, so if you're not reading along, you can just join in on this conversation, what it has to do and what it has to say. And so the topic for this month is, drumroll please, it's all the Bible ladies. You guys want to sing it with me? All the Bible ladies, all the Bible ladies, all the Bible ladies, all the Bible ladies. Oh, 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 oh. All right. So we're going to talk about all the Bible ladies. We're going to talk about Ruth, Deborah, Jael, um, all ones that we read about in the past month. And then we can even do a little bit of a preview into Esther if we want to. But I want to turn it over to you all. Uh, Ellen, Tiffany, Ethan, what sort of insights do you have? Or Ellen and Tiffany, tell us what it's what it's like to be um, a woman reading through the Bible and coming across some of the things you do. Because obviously there are some that say, 
hey, the Bible's demeaning to women or whatever. So share your insights and thoughts about that kind of thing. Having having been people who've who've now read through the Bible a couple of times, what do you think? Tiffany, you can go first. Sure. <laughs> Um, oh, so Tiffany's wanna, always first. I'm always first. So I want to preface with, I actually have a cousin, um, who is a minister and he named one of his daughters, um, JL. So that's like his daughter's name. So I guess she has a lot to live up to. Um, I do hope she doesn't stab anybody through the temple with a tent peg though. Um, yeah, you better watch so it on those camping trips. Yeah. Well, she lives far. She's like extended cousin, but um, oh, nice. it's, that's yeah. why Ellen prefers the RV. You can lock the door. Um, <laughs> being a woman reading through the Bible, sometimes it can be discouraging because we're not there a lot. And then two instances in the Old Testament when we are there, you know, it's like Sodom and Gomorrah, the angels come to visit. And then the people are saying, let us, um, you know, cover your earmuffs if you got kids coming, like listening. But like, let's rape these dudes who came to visit. And they're like, no, let's uh, not do that. That's not right. But here are my virgin daughters. And then we see the same thing in Judges where um, it's basically a repeat. And one of the Levitical priests actually offers up his concubine and she dies uh, due to the abuse. So it's really hard to take that. But one thing that Tara Lee says is the Bible is often descriptive and not prescriptive. So I think a lot of the treatment of Old Testament women is not what God intended. It's due to the fallen creation and it's just a descriptive action. Um, and the times that we do have positive women, I just like cling to them and I want to remember those stories. And so when we're reading through genealogies, which are terribly boring and there's uh, just one little snippet of, and this woman was the mother of, it's just like those little golden nuggets you have to hold on to. Yeah. Very good. Ellen, what do you think? Um, yeah. I mean, I'm going to kind of say the same thing as Tiffany. Um, you do have to kind of look for those nuggets um, and, and seek those out. And sometimes finding those stand out to you more because they are not over and over and over men, 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 men. It's like, Oh, when you, when you get to a, passage about a woman you're like oh it kind of like grabs your attention a little bit more so you know I think that but it is it is hard to read that and and not feel and not automatically feel like it's not a place for women and so you, you really I have to sometimes just be like it is descriptive not prescriptive which is great to see where you know kind of where it was and where we've come I mean it's a good measuring stick if you ask me so yeah yeah. The one thing I would like to bring back from the Old Testament times is that when a woman was during her unclean time of the month, she got like a tent to herself to go hang out. And that would be nice. Just like uh, anywhere from like a three to seven day vacation, just hanging out with other women who are PMSing. <laughs> it could be terrible, but at least you wouldn't have your kids. Nice. Uh, well, uh, no comment. All right. Uh <laughs> Ethan, what are your thoughts, man? Um, honestly, I think on reading through the Bible this time, I was just thinking a lot about how, you know, when we have main characters in the Bible's narrative, it seems like they're often like both good and bad, right? They're human. They're, they have good things and they perform good actions they're faithful to the lord but then also they fail and i mean we see that in the life of saul already and we will see it in the life of david 
But it seems like in some of the lives of the women who are kind of lifted up in the Bible for a minute, um, we don't see that negative side. Like when we see Ruth, I mean, she's just a, an example of a faithful woman. Um, mm-hmm. it, when in the Hebrew Bible or Old Testament, I guess, um, Ruth, the book, comes right after uh, Proverbs, actually. And they place it there because Proverbs 31 talks about what a faithful woman looks like. And then mm-hmm. the book of Ruth is just like, and this is this is an example of the Proverbs 31 woman. Um, right. And so I was just encouraged personally reading through uh, and noticing some of that this time. Yeah, it's great. And uh, so a couple of the things that uh, that I'll point out real quickly, and I mean, this is a, we're trying to talk about this in like 12 minutes or whatever, but um, highlighting a lot of what you all said, I think it's important to note too, let's go back to Genesis and let's go back to man and woman both being created in the image of God. That was like a totally revolutionary, mind-blowing concept for its, for its time. Um, people would have been like, oh, no doubt, like man is, uh, but the fact that woman specifically is mentioned uh, and specifically stamped with the image of God, um, it, people would have would have thought like, oh yeah, like anything doing with the divine, of course, men, um, particularly any anybody having any sort of dominion or uh, uh, kind of authority role, um, you know, as far as over over creation and as for as far as having, you know. Um, uh, you know, a, a job to do or a role to fill there. Like, it, I, yes, men, for sure. The fact that women are mentioned alongside is just kind of a mind-blowing concept for its time. You do have to keep in mind that it is, it's descriptive of fallen people. Um, at the same time, there are a lot of instances where, like I said before, like the Bible's just kind of revolutionary in the way that it's looking out for women. Um, the times, I mean, it's weird to us now, but the times where like, you know, men are commanded to marry their brother's widow or whatever was a way to like look out for, uh, for women uh, because they're just, I mean, there was no life insurance there, you know, there was no way for them to take care of themselves. So there's a lot of things like that in there that are looking after women. And then you have these, these characters like Ruth, uh, Deborah, Jael, and, and Esther, who are all playing very vital roles in the, in the overarching story of what's happening in the Bible. Ruth is a big one coming after uh, the book of Judges as well. You know, Ethan linked it to Proverbs 31, but we talked earlier about Judges and just how Judges is an absolute mess. And and I, I think, I, I really do think you're supposed to read it and, and think like, this is a mess. These people are crazy. Um, but Ruth comes right after that to kind of give you a redemptive story on the other side of it to say like, Hey, these people are doing whatever they think's right, but here's, here's a positive example. And I can share a link uh, to a, to a great thread that I read that was talking about the, the intentional, even literary or language links between Ruth and, and judges that, that the authors are making or that the author of Ruth is at least making to tie back to what's happening in judges and provide sort of a, a sunnier side of, of at least some of the people there. And it all hinges on Ruth and it all hinges on Naomi as well. And so, uh, and, and Boaz, he, I mean, he's a key part of that also. So, um, 
you know, that's one thing to keep in mind. I think too, like Ruth is helpful for us to remember, like we are the Ruths in the story of God. Like we are the strangers. We are the, the, the nomads, so to speak. And God invites us into his family as, as a, a part of that. Um, and then, you know, we'll get into Esther. I'm not exactly where she'll fall in the reading plan, but in, in a, in a few more months. And Esther's a tremendous story. Uh, uh, one of my favorite stories in all of scripture. And you'll see, hopefully how it has. So it has many gospel parallels. Um, basically Esther's sort of the, you know, takes on the role of what Jesus will take on for us. So in the narrative, she's kind of pointing or she's sort of a shadow that, that will kind of prepare our hearts for what Jesus is about to do. Jesus is the one who has access to the King who approaches the King on our behalf and who, who persuades the King to, to spare us, so to speak. So um, that, that storyline is so important in scripture. And there, I can't remember uh, one of the Jewish holidays that they celebrate even now is a, uh, is a remembrance of the story of Esther. So it's a huge part of the storyline and it's a huge part of pointing to what it is that God's going to ultimately accomplish for us uh, through Jesus. Um, and then of course you get to Jesus and you get to the, the, the fact that he had women who supported him, women who followed him. Uh, I can't remember what verse it is in the new Testament, but it talks about how they were supported financially by certain women uh, and then we'll get into some of Paul's stuff when we get to Paul, but I actually think a lot of that is um, actually, um, it's not read this way today, but I think it actually is very, um, you know, I, I could, I don't know if, I'd say pro, pro-women, pro especially for its time. So, so I'll leave it at that, and we'll talk about that when we get there. I'll say too, like a very helpful book that I've been reading, I'll hold it up to the camera, it's called The Secular Creed by an author named Rebecca, Rebecca McLaughlin. And um, she, so she's actually talking about those signs that you see in people's yards, you know, love is love, uh, women's rights are human's rights, uh, black lives matter and things like that. So she, she takes all of those um, phrases and she writes a chapter about it. But one of them is on, on the, on the Bible and on women and the Bible's, you know, how the Bible has been misused um, as when it comes to women and things like that. And it's a very helpful book and it's very, she, you know, one of the things she talks about is how, we don't have women's rights and we don't have just the concept of even the equality of men and women without the Bible. And she points to that and illustrates that in a lot of what she says. So it's a great book. I'll link to it in our show notes. And, um, you know, it's just, it'd be worth checking out if you want to dive deeper into this discussion. So, but before we move on, I'll, I'll throw it back out to uh, one of you all. Any, any insights in particular on, these women in the Bible, Ruth or Esther or any of the other uh, women that we encounter, and you can get into some New Testament ones too, but just wanted to throw that out to you before we, before we moved on. Okay. Then no, then we'll go on in to uh, the next part of our, our show. All right, so let's jump into insights into like the actual text that we talked about or that we read about in uh, in April. So this is looking at Ruth and Judges and First uh, and Second Samuel, First Chronicles, some of the Psalms, that sort of thing. So we'll start with Ellen. Your insights from our text for this month. So my insights um, 
kind of like tea in with the Seder meal of, of what we did. Uh, so that was the first time I'd ever done a Seder meal or been a part of a Seder meal or even like thought remotely about a Seder meal, um, if we're being honest. And I actually, I thought it was kind of funny um, us actually not recording this podcast early kind of opened up to some different ways of thinking when we got into some of the like historical Psalms. Um, cause it was funny how, um, how the Seder meal was such a sim. I, I just couldn't get over the simplicity of it. And yet like 12 hours prior to the actual meal, I made it this not, and I didn't make it a really big deal. I just, I was getting really nervous about the, um, the, uh, sanctity of it, I guess I was, so, so many things that I didn't think of, but it's because it's just not, it's not something I've ever done, ever been a part of, anything like that. So, uh, when we, actually, when we had, we've done the meal and then there was some reading that happened in Psalms, uh, specifically Psalm 78, um, almost kind of hurt my feelings, if I'm going to put it honest, because you had, you know, God had set everything up, and it, to me, what what seemed like He laid everything out on a on a seder plate on a plate so easy, easy of what they should do, and yet they kept the Israelites kept screwing it up, and I always tend to put the Israelites on a different playing field than me because I still have this feeling that I'm working through or this notion that I'm working through that I am somehow better than them, yet I'm not. Um, so, uh, 78, Psalm 78 specifically kind of just hurt my, it hurt my feelings. It made me hurt because it just laid everything out of what happened and, and the history and of all the things that they're supposed to remember. And they're supposed to be like singing this song, right? Singing this song to remember. So how do you go from constantly singing this song and remembering your past to screwing it all up? And, and you have all this terribleness come out of judges. Like, you know, I, I can't, I'm having a hard time or I want to say, where was the screw up so I can prevent it in my own life, I guess maybe is that, that's where I, I start to get kind of nervous is, is there something that I'm doing that I might one day forget too, because I'm no better than them. So that's, but let me tell you, if you've never been through a, a stater, meal, you've got to do it. And I, granted, I've never been through anything other than that with Mr. Steinberg. And he was extremely passionate about what he said. And, and he would just interject stuff in and you would just be like, oh man. And it was such a tangible thing. And how do you, how do you do that? How do you do that meal? And then, and I, I want to say, how do you do that meal and mess up? But I mean, this is, this is more than just a mess up. You know what I mean? This is a complete, I mean, he even says it, that they, they were stubborn and a rebellious generation in verse eight. Like, mm -hmm. I, so I don't know. So that's something yeah. I have, um, set with in the uncomfortable. That must be my theme for reading this year is, uh, the uncomfortableness of the Bible. Yes. Yes. It's interesting. You note that because I think, I think that is a conclusion that we're supposed to draw from reading the old Testament is that these people didn't get it right we're not going to get it right either. Like, it's just like, we just can't. I have a friend, I think I've probably said this on this podcast before, but he, he talks about talking about the old Testament and he says, we tend to read it 
thinking that we can have all the virtues of Israel and none of their vices. Yes. And Mm. I think the, I think the point of it is to see yourself in there and to realize like, you know what, like I would have made these same mistakes. I make these same mistakes now, you know, like it. So I think if the more you can see yourself in there and the more you could have sort of pity, I think on the, on the folks in in those stories and the more you see yourself in there, I think, I think that, you know, puts you on the right track at the same time, in some regard, it's depressing. You know, because mm-hmm. you're like, where's the hope then? And and so, I mean, we're just reading the servant over. We're five months in now, and it's like, okay, where's the hope? Because they're not finding it, and we keep looking for the hope, and we keep placing the hope in something else, and it's not delivering. And I think the more you sit with that, like I've said before, the more I think it can prepare you for finding that hope in Jesus, and and resting in that hope, and rejoicing in that hope, because you've now gotten to the point of despair where you're like. I don't know what else is going to work or make a difference or matter or whatever. And even in Jesus, like even having him, like we Mm -hmm. still mess it up and we still get it wrong and his grace still covers us and his grace is still sufficient. And so I think even in that we rejoice and even that we, we, we place hope, you know, in our, you know, the end dates and, and, and our ultimate redemption and, uh, you know, resurrection of all things and, and uh, redemption of all things. So, Tiffany, what about you? Insights from this month's reading. So I have a silly one we can address later, but I have a serious one that I'll start with first. And um, we're in Sunday school. We're doing What's So Amazing About Grace by Philip Yancey. And um, I guess it was two weeks ago. Elaine taught a lesson on like the, basically the premise was pray for your enemies. And I had gotten an email last Wednesday was just awful, awful, awful. And, um, I had an email come through that was super rude. And anytime I saw this one person's name, I was just like, Oh, and I had like this big voice speak to me, like Tiffany, pray for your enemies. And it felt, I was just so unhappy about it. So I texted Elaine and I'm like, look, your lesson got to me. Congratulations. Cause I just want to nice. be petty and be mad at this person. But reading um, this month, I was reminded that, you know, in second Samuel, no Psalms, it's in the Psalms. I had another note about second Samuel, but in the Psalms um, chapter nine, verse 18, it's like the needy are not permanently ignored, but we're not told when our, um, despair is going to be over. So, I mean, it'll be resolved. We're not always ignored. Um, it'll come to resolution, but also Psalm 103 verse 16, God doesn't deal with us as we deserve and he removes our guilt. So even if like a small amount of life is spent in feeling ignored or feeling unloved, um, compared to what we could be dealing with, because God's grace you know, abounds and he forgives his enemy, which is me, which is wild. I'm a sinner. I'm so far removed from him, but he tries to Mm -hmm. bring me close and he removes my guilt. That's like my most impactful. So, Mm. um, and I guess that does lead into my second Samuel, um, where David grieves so deeply for the death of Saul. Saul literally tried to kill him on multiple occasions. Yeah. And David was moved by the fact that God's original chosen king had, um, had died. And so it's all coming back to like, um, being gracious for me and being, um, humble. I think I've decided that humble is my word for the year to focus on. And so humility, like having that, like how Mm. great that was. 
Yeah, no, that's a great, and and that's, uh, you know, anybody who's read the Bible, Bible students, talks about that with David is just his, the way he still, even after all the problems with Saul, all the things that Saul does, the way he still respects Saul's role and the the fact that the Lord one time did anoint Saul to be king, and still David has that sort of respect for that. Um, it that is one person in the Bible, and the other one's Paul, where. I look at them often, and we talked about seeing yourself in the text. I I don't trust myself to be able to have looked at the scenarios David was in, and to have had the humility that he had to be able to to look at Saul the way that he did, or for Paul to to be like, "Hey, I'm in prison, but what's happening with me in prison is advancing the gospel." Like I I don't trust myself to have had that attitude about it. And I so we, you, we talk about, yeah, I mean, it's, so I hope I, to keep working on it, but yeah. So maybe the more we read the Bible, <laughs> the more yeah, we'll the get more into we that. Get. The, we'll get into that because those are, you know, inspirational stories. And we do look to the Bible at times for inspiration. You can't look at, look at it for that all the time. But I think those are examples of times when, you know, we could look to them and we could see their faithfulness, even through some harrowing situations and, and try to think, you know, hey, with the strength of Christ, with the strength of the Holy Spirit, I can do this as well. And yeah, God's got a bigger plan um, at hand here, and, and I just need to trust in that. So, Ethan, what about you, my friend? Yeah, I really appreciated how we've been reading some of the Psalms, like within their historical context. And I think that's such a blessing that, uh, that this Bible reading plan is giving us that not every plan gives us, you know. Because we could just read the book of Psalms straight through, right? Like we could start it in chapter one and we could go all the way. Um, But I think the benefit of reading it this way is like, you know, Saul is chasing David and he, and David is like cornered in a cave and he doesn't know what's next. And then we read like what his prayer is. Um, And it, really takes us even deeper into the text that we're already in. Um, I think it builds the narrative and the history in a special way. And it just reveals like the spiritual life of, um, of David or of others. Um, and I have really valued that um, in this reading through the Bible, um, seeing how people are reacting to what's happening, seeing them cry out to, to the Lord, ask him, like save me from this situation, change my circumstances, just be honest about their emotions and their feelings and their worries, uh, and then to call on God and to really say, but I trust you, Lord. Um, and that is just such a repetitive phrase in the Psalms is just this, like this faith and putting our hope and our trust in the Lord. And so many Psalms, whether they're laments and they start sad or start with a problem, or whether they're just praise Psalms, so many Psalms end with this idea of, mm-hmm. I put my trust in you, Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the question that's been running through my mind for the past month as we've been reading yeah, is, what would it look like if I responded to my life the way that these psalmists have responded to theirs? Um, what if I was honest with my emotions? Uh, what if I prayed to the Lord? Um, and then what if I put my hope in Him and my trust in Him, regardless of 
whether I was having a good or a bad day. Um, and, and also, like, I need to be sharing these things more. The Psalms were, I mean, sometimes they were individual, but, like, they were sung in the, in the temple for, like, generations upon generations. And they were sung out loud. So, like, for thousands of years, they were, these were not, like, prayers that you would pray alone in your room. These were prayers that you would, like, literally sing at the top of your lungs with mm-hmm. hundreds of other people in front of you, you know? And so, like, when I'm going through things, do I share that? Like, do I share that with other people? Um, right. Do I tell them what I'm going through spiritually? And uh, am I honest with them? Or am I just trying to live, like, my solitary Christian life, like, near other people but not with them? Uh, and so the Psalms have really challenged me, and I have really enjoyed our reading plan and how they've kind of um, squished them into their contexts. And I've, uh, yeah. yeah, I've just loved it a lot. Yeah, they're... I love the chronological readings for that because they kind of interweave in in and out. The first time I ever read through the Bible, I read through chronologically like we're doing with this. And it just helped me get a greater appreciation for the story, for what's happening in in the Bible and um, for where the story's going and things like that. And then, yes, being able to read the Psalms when they're written. And you pointed this out in a staff meeting in a devotional you did about how uh, the Psalms will often... Um, basically start out asking the same questions we ask. A lot of them will, like, God, where are you? God, why are you letting this happen? But they will always finish, if you notice, they will always finish basically saying something to the effect of, nevertheless, may the name of the Lord be praised. Um, One of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 11 for that reason. Like, it just kind of, it asks these big questions, and uh, in the New Living Translation, it says, the foundations of law and order have collapsed. And uh, it's just a really interesting take on that, because I think that's something that we would say today. And he's he's asking, like, where's the Lord? What's the Lord doing? Nevertheless, may the name of the Lord be praised. I remember coming across coming to that same realization years ago, Ethan, and just um, being wowed by the Psalms and the fact that, again, we these are things that we can sit in, that we can feel because they express a lot of the same things that we do. I think what I'll share is just, you know. Obviously, we read through Judges. I think if you're in our text thread, I was like, hey, this is a really hard book, and it is. And I think, you know, we're meant to read that and not stop there and go on into Ruth because there's a greater story being told. I do think, you know, maybe for the writers um, and maybe for some of the early Israelites, uh, there is a bit of nationalism and pride at some of the conquering stories that we find in the parts of the Old Testament. Um, but I, I think for us, I think it's key to not stop there and it's key to not, it's key to keep reading and, and, and to see where it's going and where it's leading because there's another book I'll link to in the uh, show notes that I read recently called How Not to Read the Bible. And it's just talking about how, really how to take it all in, you know, in a greater scope, like like we've been talking about. He, he says in there, never read a Bible verse. And he's talking about, um, you know, not to take verses out of context, to read them in the context of what's going on in the story, what else is going on in that particular book, that sort of thing. And so I think, you know, as we read these stories, and yeah, there might be some nationalism, there might be some pride that like, hey, we, we were a great nation once or whatever. I think if you read on and you read the rest of the books and you read what happens to the Israelites, Israelites I think then the scriptures are asking us to consider, yeah, but what was, what, what was the good of all that? You know, because where did it lead? Because it ultimately led to them 
being back in, you know, there was another army that raised up. There was another army that was stronger. So like, yes, it was great that you had a great nation at one time, but what, what was the good at that? And getting at, at what you were talking about, Ellen is like, where can you see your own flaws and all of that, that lead to the downfall, you know? And I think that's part of the things that are missing that, that, you know, if you just focus on those conquest stories, what's up, Tiffany's cat. Um, <laughs> If you just focus on those conquest stories, you can miss all that. But I think you're you're supposed to keep reading. You're supposed to keep seeing like that's not going to lead where you want it to lead. Now, I will say, too, one thing I will recommend is going back after reading chronologically, after you get an understanding of like the story of what's happening in the Old Testament and where it's leading to go back and to actually read the books as they're meant to be read, because first and second Samuel first and second chronicles are not meant to be read together they're not meant to be read with the psalms the psalms actually have a unique pattern to them the the bible project video talks about that really well and so it is helpful to read those together the way they were meant to be written um, chronicles and samuel tell a lot of the same stories but they're actually they were written very several hundred years apart uh, one pre-exile one post-exile and so the chronic chronicler is writing after the exile and he's got a whole different other objective to what he's trying to get his readers to understand and do. Um, so it's just important to keep that in mind. I kind of look at Chronicles as, as like a reboot. You know, we talk about like movies that get rebooted. Mm. And so you're familiar with the story, but like there's a whole other spin on what's going on. And, and the Chronicler, I think, um, you know, you get to Judges and Judges, you know, the last verse of Judges talks about everyone did what was right in his own eyes because there was no king in the land. And so it's, it's setting you up to look for a king. Well, obviously we see the story of David. We see the story of Samuel and how ultimately, even with a king, they still failed. Um, so Chronicles comes along and it gives us some of those positive stories of David. But a lot of people sometimes will be like, well, how come it doesn't tell the negative stories of David? Because David's been dead for hundreds of years. Like, we're not looking for David. We're looking for a king that looks like David. And that's kind of what Chronicles is trying to set up for you is to, I don't even know if anybody's listening to what I say, because Tiffany's cat, the cameo here, if you're not watching on YouTube, it is awesome. But uh, this is, this is so, this is, I can't even, there's no blooper reel because i can't even salvage anything that i've said this is it's it's great though uh I'm so sorry <laughs> no it's hilarious it's yeah. we'll get more youtube views out of this because of because of crazy cat but, uh, tagline. seriously all that to say like I, chronicles is setting you up to still look for a king and a king that's that looks like david but it's not david because we've seen how david has failed we've seen how the line of david has even failed so it still is look, is setting you up to hope for that. But you miss that when you kind of splice the book up and you, you put it in a chronological order. I'm not saying that's bad. It's a good thing to do. But I think it's a good thing to do afterwards as well to go back and kind of read it in the context that it was meant for. I think Chronicles 2, like you'll notice when, when it ends, it kind of ends and just kind of leaves, leaves the reader hanging um, where the I think it's the, the king of Persia. I can't remember who it is that sends them back into the land. And um, the book just says, and they went up and that's it. And the Bravo project, we'll talk about this as well, but it's almost like it ends on a cliffhanger because it's almost like the writer's like, okay, you know, the story of Exodus, they were in mm. exile or they were in slavery. They came back, you saw what happened. So now we were in exile again. Now we're allowed to come back and you get to write the rest of the story. And I think that's kind of where Chronicles is leaving um, the, the, 
the reader and of course we know the rest of the story they get you know put into exile or put under subjugation at least again and leaves us looking for ultimately jesus so with all that we will um oh you had a thought ellen yes i have a thought so okay okay, john Ethan, this is for you guys so when you go to seminary do you is there like a requirement when you are getting in to like read through the bible and how you should read through it or is there do they i mean like i feel like a that might be important but b that might I, I don't know. I, I when I went through, there wasn't like a requirement. I think there was an expectation, and then of course you're taking. Um, we were taking what's called Old Testament survey, New Testament survey, and so you're covering all the books of the Bible, and you're meant to. I mean, you're expected to have read along with the books that you're studying, but I don't know that there was like a like I didn't sign like an oath that I had read through the Bible or whatever. Uh, what about you, Ethan? yeah pretty much the same like they uh that wasn't a question when i was applying they didn't ask me like have you how many times have you read the bible but they were i do interested. think it should be i have wondered that i do i do think it wouldn't be helpful but go ahead yeah um but they did like they gave us like a little quiz at the beginning of our first semester and then i think at the end of year one, so after I had finished my New Testament and Old Testament classes, they gave us another, like, survey. And, I mean, one of the questions on that was, like, how many times have you read the Bible? And they were, you know, expecting our number to increase by one, like, in that time frame. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, and I think, yeah. I mean, for most students, it did. Yeah. Interesting thought. Well... We will, uh, with that, we'll go into a little bit of a break here and then we'll come back, wrap up this episode and look ahead to what we have coming up next month. (laughs) Tiffany, I love the little dance you were doing with your cat there. Yeah, she did not like it. She did not look amused at all. She was not. All right. So looking ahead in the book, in the month of May, we're going to be finishing up a lot of the historical books, you know, second Chronicles, first and second Kings. That'll kind of lead the way into the prophets and some of the other, uh, what are known as the wisdom writings. We get into the, into June, we're going to get into song of Solomon. That'll be a fun, we're going to have, we're going to invite everybody's parents on for that episode. Um, Y'all, I thought that one was going to be on my birthday, too, because I knew it came in sometime in June, and I just miss mm. it by a day. I was going to be like, birthday pass, I'm out. Nice. I'm talking about <laughs> nice. Song song. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, so that, that's what's coming up, and uh, we'd love for you to join with us if you're not already. Uh, elsewise, you know, what are some other things um, on the agenda? Do we have any listener Q&A, Ellen, Tiffany, Ethan, anything you guys are aware of? I don't think so. We don't have anything formal, but I do have like one. I texted about it. I think I sent just to you, uh, John mm-hmm. and Ellen, like independently. But I had asked Jacob one day, I was like, do you believe in ghosts or spirits or whatever? He's like, yeah, no, I don't believe in hates and ghosts or whatever he said. And I was like, okay. He's like, it's not in the Bible. It's like, mm, I just, I read it last year in somewhere, the Old Testament. And then 
like the next day I was reading it and I was like, haha, it's in second Samuel. Oh, it's in first Samuel chapter 28 that uh, Saul goes to a medium because he's not getting his answers from God. He tries and God doesn't listen to him and he doesn't respond. And so then he goes to a medium, which uh, Saul had like told all the mediums to get out of town. And uh, so the medium does whatever she does and it brings up Samuel like, she says, I see an old man in a robe. And then Saul sees him and he's like, oh my gosh, it's Samuel. And the woman's like, what have you made me do? Um, so it was, it was funny because then I was like, look, Jacob, Samuel's dead. They said he was dead. They said he like some sort of, appar- they don't use the word apparition, but something came up. So what do you think? He's like, oh, that's witchcraft and sorcery. It's all trickery and it's not true. Mm-hmm. Or, I don't know. So I'd be curious to know like what y'all think about spirits, yay or nay. Um, cause I feel like this is solid proof that you don't mess with Ouija boards because <laughs> that crap's real and it's going to get you. I mean, even have I later on, have I in the Old Testament the they show say, where I did a Ouija board one time and then, you know, like you're the person what? on the other side and you're like, Oh, it moved. And then like you kind of move it and you're like, Oh, it moved. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's both people like moving the Ouija board, but we're lying and saying that we're not moving the Ouija board. Anyway, yeah, I've done one of those. Also, one of those things where you go in the bathroom and you close the door and you say something four times, you flush the commode, you turn on the faucet and open the shower curtain and they're supposed to be there. Too. I did that too. Nothing ever happened. I've never done those because I'm so chicken. And- oh my yeah. God. I believe that stuff's real. I think Listen, they'll come get you. I grew up in the 90s. They terrified us with everything. And so <laughs> Ouija boards, like we were just, Ouija boards and peace signs. They were like, Stay away. Like those are like, uh, what did they call them back in the day? Uh, like archways or whatever to the demonic. And oh yeah, mm, yeah. So I I was terrified of that stuff. And so to answer your question, Tiffany, this is one of those where I'm like, mm, I don't really know, and I haven't really bothered to think much about it. Um, my suspicion is that I mean we know that there are absolutely demonic spirits and um, demonic powers at work. Um, that's we're told that all throughout the Bible, and so my my hunch is just to kind of say like there it had something to do with that, um, and that's kind of just the, as far as I go with it. Um, I could probably you know come up with a more well defined answer for you if I sat down and thought about it or, or read some on it, but I just really haven't that much. But I don't. Ethan, it's not what about a you? Class like this in seminary? Where no, they well, there <laughs> there may have been. I mean, that's a great question. I mean, for me, it was 20 years ago, so I don't, I don't remember if we did. So maybe I skipped that day. I don't know, but um, yeah, I, I don't remember anything particular. And I'm, I'm trying to, um, I mean, I'm looking at my own Bible at like the notes that I've written there, and I don't, I, I like, I, I have a question mark, which is what I do in my Bible when I'm like, I need to look at this later, and I haven't looked at it later. So that's my answer. Like, unfortunately, like foundational to my belief. I just thought that was yeah interesting and yeah. then it's like where did he come from um, right because when they talk about death in the old testament i don't feel like we ever talk about where your spirit goes after and i know john you and i have talked about this like at church before like i was raised heaven was the end goal and yeah. um, there's like nothing outside of heaven and then when i read the bible through last year i learned about the new earth and then you yeah. and i talked about it and so it's like, if they didn't know about the new earth yet being, you know, recreated or made perfect again, 
like, where did they think they went mm. after they died? Was it just right put? It's just fades yep. to black and there's nothing. So <laughs> that was also kind of part of my curiosity, which again, this particular passage is not going to uh, break my faith if I don't have an answer for it. It's just something fun to think about. Yeah, they and and they did have a much different understanding of and I don't know that we have time to get into all that, but I know they had a much different understanding of the afterlife than we do. And Sheol was kind of a place like everybody went, and you know, there's a lot to do with, you know, when they you know, you'll you'll come across those they'll say like bury me, you know, with the bones of my fathers and things like that. So they're they definitely had a belief in the afterlife and they definitely develop a belief in the resurrection later on. But even with that, you know, there was a belief that there would be an end time resurrection, but it would be a resurrection of all, um, which is why the resurrection of Jesus is so kind of out of the ordinary because they, nobody thought there'd be like a resurrection of one person, you know? Um, and so that was kind of where it was like, for a lot of people it was like, eh, I don't really know about that, but that was what differentiated the Christians so much with, with that kind of thing. I, Ethan, you have any thoughts on the witch of Endor and Saul and all that stuff? No, you didn't talk about the seminary either. <laughs> no, I'm going to let you three handle that one. Good job. Yeah. So unfortunately I, you know what, what I will do, Tiffany, I gave you an assignment last time. I told you to watch uh, only murders in the building. Did you yeah, do that? I didn't. No, yes. I I've been watching uh, Longmire. If I can stay awake with all my doping of Benadryl. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. You, I'll give you another month to watch only murders in the building. I'll look up some Was stuff. It on Hulu? Yeah. I don't have Hulu. I think that's also part of it. So, so I think you should just get it for a month and then watch it and then cancel it. So that's what I think. So, but, uh, so yeah, you do that. And then I will, um, I'm going to start the show wrapping it up here. Um, (laughs) what I will do is I will look up the witch of Endor and all that stuff for you. And we'll, we'll highlight it when we come back next month. How's that sound? Sounds sounds good. Bible scholar, John. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Yeah. I'm totally going to rehash like things that I've just read. It's not going to come from me at all. So well, thank you all so much for joining us. I'm going to put some things in the show notes for us. I referenced a couple of books and links and other things like that. We'll throw that in the show notes. You can look at that later on. We'd love for you to look that up. We'd also love for you to join in our Bible reading with us. It's it's a great thing to do. You can jump in in the middle. You can listen to some of our previous episodes to get an idea of what's going on and what you've missed. And we'll be coming up on the New Testament soon. We'll be coming up on the prophets soon, which is a great way to sort of prepare for um what it is that uh they they almost are like i look at the prophets as like doctors that kind of give us this uh um diagnosis and then prescription and the prescription ends up being jesus obviously so like that's a great uh time to jump in as well if you haven't been with us there on that uh would love for you also to join us at our any of our fbc young adult events you can find us at fbchsv.org slash young adults we have some upcoming a guys night a girls night we're doing our kayaking trip which is an annual thing coming up in june and we'd love to have some people join us for that so check us out on that webpage. we'd love for you to, to not only listen to this but join with us in some of those things and then finally i want to say thank you to you for listening Thank you to Ellen, to Tiffany, and to Ethan for their time in recording today. Thank you for Patrick Patrick Chester for being our jack of all things and being our editor, podcast polisher, and all that stuff. So with all that said, we will see you guys next month. Y'all take care. Peace out.
number of people just jumped to 10. How's that? Do you have that up in the corner? Yeah, I see 10 too. What? Oh. We're popular, guys. Somebody's trying to hack in. Is it? Oh, I was going to say, it, is this live? Yeah, no, I think it's probably because of the way it's recording. Anyways, we'll see. There's nobody else on here. It's just us. But I don't know why it says that. Spooky. <laughs> it, it's the ghost, the witch of Indoor. Yeah. That's what it is. Right? So, 